Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Nevada Wild brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez. Zooming once again, we have co-host Aaron Keller here, Julie Watson, podcast regular. Really all of you at this point are regulars. We have Joe Doucette from our eastern region and Abby Zarnecki from southern Nevada. So thank you guys all for being here. And Oh, what were you going to say, Joe? Sorry. I was going to say my pleasure, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want you to say it's that. It's not like being in person, you know. <laughs> I know. We all talk over each other. Um, in spirit of this Zoom and all the technology we've been using lately, we're actually going to focus today's podcast on, and you guys had this idea in another podcast we did, um, using technology while in the outdoors. So I don't even know where to begin. Like you guys are the experts on this. Um, I know Joe and Abby, you have a ton of different fishing. So, so mine's not so much using it while you're in the outdoors. It's preparing to go fishing. Ooh, and so, well, there you so, go. So there's a lot of really cool, um, app, not necessarily apps, but websites. One of my favorites, the USGS website. Um, and, and at the USGS website, the two things I look for the, the most are stream flows, uh, so I know what the stream flows are like at a, at a particular stream I want to go fish. And then the other one is the uh, snowpack, um, which I use during the winter a little bit, but primarily in the spring that I combine with the stream flows and then go to a, a weather one and I can say, okay, it's going to be 90 degrees, the snowpack is at or above normal, stream flows are a little high, well with this 90 degrees now they're going to really get blown out and not worth fishing. Or, as in the case like right now, um, our snowpack is well below normal up here in, in northeastern Nevada. And stream flows are between a fourth and two-thirds of normal. So, whereas a lot of times in, in May, you know, all the way through May, our streams are so blown out I can't go fishing. But now I look like, for example, South Fork Reservoir is flowing at about 160 CFS um, above the reservoir, which is perfect for fishing up there. Whereas Lamoille Creek, just about 20 miles away from there as the crow flies, is flowing almost at the same CFS, but it's a really tiny, narrow creek and probably not worth going fishing there right now. So, so I love those sites. Um, then I combine them with the weather site to see what the weather's like. And then finally, the, the last thing, and I'm trying not, you know, a lot of times I hog all the time, so I'm not going to do that today. We don't um, mind it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing is um, the solunar tapes. And so lunar tables are really cool. Um, one of my favorite ones that I go to is called solunarforecast.com. You put in your zip code, you put in the month and the year, and then you click to create the calendar. And it tells you the best days for fishing and then the best times for fishing during that those days. It's actually really quite cool. So you, and there's, there's others out there. And what it is, it's the same thing that the commercial fishermen in the, in the ocean use. It ties in the moon, the sun. Um, it all has to do with alignment of all that different stuff. So, so it works really slick. 
Very cool. And we always talk about the importance of doing your homework beforehand. So there you go. There's some good sites to use. Name those again. There was three, right? So, so the main one that I use the most is USGS, um, which is United States uh, Geological Survey. And they, in there, they have things like stream, stream survey, or I mean, stream flows, snowpack, and then a couple of them even, I think there's even one place where you can look at the level of the water in the reservoirs in your area, see if it, you know, what, what their elevation is at. And then the solunarforecast.com, that's S-O-L-U-N-A-R, solunarforecast.com. And uh, those are those are all really great ones, especially when you combine them with your favorite weather app. Awesome, good to know. And then um, while we're in the spirit of fishing, Abby, why do I keep seeing spirit today? I guess that's my word of the day. <laughs> anyway, Abby, um, that was the second time I said it and I'm kind of embarrassed about it. <laughs> anyway, um, so you have some fishing apps that you use quite a bit and wanted to talk about. Yeah, so to add on to Joe's, um, my for actually for down here and for this weekend coming up, uh, Windfinder is a big one that everybody uses. Um, nobody wants to get stuck in 20 to 30 mile an hour winds on a boat or even fishing conditions are a little rougher during that. So Windfinder is a great prep one. Um, and honestly, the one I really check is a NOAA app, weather app, because you take the map wherever you're at, wherever you want to go, and you just drop your pinpoint on that spot. So it can be anywhere on Lake Mead, it can be anywhere on the mountain, and it adjusts that actual latitude and longitude and gives you the wind, the sunrise, sunset, precipitation, everything. Um, and then fishing forecast actually combines all of that. So it gives you the wind, it gives you the sunrise, sunset in that specific area. And that one can be used when you're out too because it pulls your location and it tells you what fish are biting. And it actually tells you if the fish aren't really good that day, you might want to prepare for a couple of days from now. Very cool. It's crazy because we encourage people to get outside, but now there's all this tech, like we want people to put down their phones and get outside and we do, but it's cool how now you could incorporate all of this technology to help you yes, get definitely. to where you want to go. Yeah, I'm going to have to check out that Windfinder app because my family, we hate the wind, unless it's duck season. So like we don't even call it wind we just call it w because we, we're scared we're gonna jinx our outdoor exactly my dad taught me that you don't say the w word especially w. When w. <laughs> that is good to know I'm another one similar to that is called windy w-i-n-d-y.com and i have it loaded on my phone right now and it it actually has arrows and you can see the, the wind moving and you pick the you know you pick the date and the time and it'll tell you you know what direction you can actually you visualize it which is kind of cool too um, a ton of resources for people to use um and then julie you did a whole presentation on using technology outdoors do you want to expand yeah so um i will plug that it is up on our youtube channel um that webinar was recorded and it was 
basically at the start of when we had to all stay at home to give people, especially parents with kids, because as you saw, we were getting all of those messages on Facebook of parents being like, hey, my kid found this cool thing. We don't know what it is. And um, there's a lot of tools out there that make it really, really easy to identify stuff. And even more so on the other side, it's really cool because a lot of these apps, not only are they tools to identify things, but they are also a source and a network for citizen science. So people can actually start submitting data that scientists can use. And as we learned when we were talking with Jason Jones the other week, we use some of those apps data like as for um for crowdsourcing oh, I, data yeah, exactly. yeah when for we were talking about the Hilo monsters yeah so um there's four apps that i personally like more than any others but it's really two versions of the same thing but are you have different uses and so it's merlin and ebird which are for birding and then um iNaturalist and seek and that's for basically everything else. And Merlin Bird ID is the app that you can use to ID. And it's by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, so you know it's good. And it that app completely replaces the need to ever carry around a physical bird field guide. And for people who like to go on longer trips or like be out for a really long time, I know for me, like not having to carry around a giant book and having an app like eBird and an app like iNaturalist, that's like five different field guides that I don't have to carry around when I'm outside because I can get all the answers that I need from those apps. Um, but eBird, there's two ways that you can ID through it. You can, um, you can answer like five questions and they're super easy questions. It's like the size of the bird. You can pick three colors. What was the bird doing? And then it knows your location and you download different packs so that different bird packs so that it knows like which area of the country you're in and which birds would be more likely to be seen and the date. So it even takes into account migratory. So birds that aren't in your area during that time of year aren't going to pop up and you can, um, also, you can also put in a picture. So if you get a good picture of a bird, which is really, really difficult to do, <laughs> it will ID the picture. And um, it'll give you options of what type of bird you think you, they think you saw. And then it will tell you to go to eBird and input it. So there's not, they haven't seamed them together yet, eBird and the Merlin bird ID app, even though they're both Cornell products, but it will tell you, it's like, oh, this was your bird, go to eBird and log it because eBird is the citizen science side of that. And eBird is a really, really great technology to use. It's an app now, it used to not be an app. It used to just be a desktop, you know, a browser um, website. And like Joe and Abby were saying, eBird, is something really useful, especially for birders to do before they go. I know when I would take vacations, because I like to bird, and if I'm going somewhere new, I'm like, oh, I can go get these new birds that don't live by me. And I would look at the map and look at the hot spots and see what birds could be there. And then like on the plane on the way there, I'd like record the sounds and be listening to the sounds of the birds that I didn't know on the plane so that I could know what they are. So um, eBird is a really good way to prepare for different trips too. 
Very cool. That's what I like the variety of all the, I mean, obviously different people are going to be using the different apps you guys have mentioned, like some are going out on the water, some are going to um, view wildlife, but there's different ways to use them by either before you go out or by getting out there. And then Julie eBird is, so how does, I've been on eBird before, but it's kind of confusing to me. So it's a way to ID the birds and look up data on all the birds. So <laughs> you're shaking your head. Yeah. So Merlin Bird ID is the app for gotcha. IDing the bird. And then eBird had they have maps, they have bar charts. Like you can see a whole bar chart during the any time of year. And it'll be like, you know, here, like a good one is red tail hawks are like always every all through the year, every month, it's like the same height, but different migratory birds, it'll go up and down. Um, there's all sorts of data on there. And um, that data is really cool because they've been, people have been logging data into eBird from the, around the entire world that we have this like longitudinal data that is really, really difficult to get on a lot of other things because they're a lot harder to see than birds. Exactly. Well, that's, that actually does it for the first half. We could get into this more right after this break, but we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we're talking about all of the resources that you have online and in apps to use either to prepare to go outdoors or even while you're outdoors. And uh, after the first half of the show, I was like, what else are we going to talk about? And then we started talking and I realized there are so many resources. It's almost overwhelming for people, but that's why they're going to come here and listen to this podcast. So Julie, you had a couple more for wildlife viewing and identification. Yeah. So the other two that I talk about in that webinar that is up on our YouTube channel is iNaturalist and Seek. And so Seek is actually a part of iNaturalist, so they're basically the same app. But iNaturalist is very similar to what I was talking about with eBird, um, except it's very picture focused. And so you can submit a picture of literally anything living and you can put it on your account. It's also a, a type of social media. So it's kind of like a competition to get a high iNaturalist score, which means you've submitted a lot of observations and a lot of species. And um, you can put anything in there, you put it in there, and then it says view suggestions, and a bunch of, it will ID it based off of your picture. So a bunch of ID suggestions will pop up. And depending on how common the species is, so like plants and butterflies and things that are really easy to take a picture of, it's really, really good at IDing it because it gets better at IDing it the more pictures that are submitted. But things like spiders or a rare plant or birds, it's not super good at because we don't usually have very good pictures of those things or people aren't like going out of their way to take pictures of those things. So you should definitely take pictures of those things and then submit them so then it gets better at IDing them. Is it kind um, of like Wikipedia? 
where people need to keep adding yes yes yeah totally yeah and the other the other side of iNaturalist it really truly is an app for naturalists because you can be a contributor to the data by submitting pictures but then on the other side like when I'm really bored I will go through and ID people's pictures and you can suggest those identifications and so that also makes algorithm better at identifying those pictures then on the other side seek is kind of like the more children more accessible version of that app so with iNaturalist you have to have a picture to submit like you have to have already taken the picture and with iNaturalist you might not have service but you could take a picture and then get back and be able to submit it and get those suggestions for an ID. Seek you actually just hover your camera over it and it will ID it and there's little green dots at the top and it goes from kingdom phylum class order species genus species and it goes through and so like sometimes it might not get it quite to species but like um you know, if you saw like a mountain lion, it might get it to a cat. Like it knows it's a cat, but maybe not what type of cat. And you don't even have to take a picture. You can take a picture. And then if you take that picture, you can submit it to iNaturalist. Um, but Seek gives you that like immediate satisfaction of seeing it, which for kids is really, really cool seeing that ID. And then there's also like fun badges. Like if you get so many bugs, you get like a bronze badge. And there's little challenges like that too that... I really like, but also children would like. Definitely. Very cool. And it's, this is where to go. If you have an animal you need identified, go there because um, we get a lot of these questions and sometimes it takes us, especially not being in the office. We can't just run down to someone's office and say, what is this? They, Mm -hmm. we don't know it. So it takes a few days, but there's all these apps available and we've been getting a lot of other questions related to hunt units especially since we just had the big game application period Keller do you want to talk a little bit on some of the hunting options people have yeah sure Uh, the stuff that Julie was talking about I was just nodding my head on my mute because like anytime I love when we get pictures or questions that come in and I know the answer like I know the animal that they sent and I'm like yes I know that one (laughs) just type it up and send them a link so they can learn more because that's what my kids do they want to learn more and so as long as I can get them like on the right track to like finding out more information I think that's good enough but yeah a couple things that I see right now with the big game applications um, tag results coming out is not knowing where to go or kind of where to start in a hunting unit. and for me um, on our top 10 resources on our website we have it's pretty um, basic information about the hunt units, um, but you can scroll down and find the hunt unit and also the animal that you're gonna be hunting. And when you click on it, it opens up at location, elevation, terrain, um, land status, access, uh, gives you maps that you can buy, like purchase or at least know where to start for on USGS or through the, through the university. Um, it also has some facilities and services um, which will give you some phone numbers to call or the state parks that might be in the, in the area. And then it gives you some, some broad information on like hunting that species in that unit. Um, but it'll give you some mountain ranges to check out and um, which I think is pretty cool. It's kind of a good spot to start. Um, and then another one that I use a lot is Onyx Maps. And Onyx Maps has the um, 
it basically distinguishes between public and private land. In, in Nevada, we're very fortunate that we have tons of public land, um, but every once in a while you'll come across a gate, you'll come across the fence, and to be 100% sure that you know that that's still public on the other side of the fence and you can go there and scout or hike um, is really helpful. And they have tons of different overlays and trails and things like that that you can look up. Um, our Nevada uh, guzzlers or water developments are all on, on there. And so if people are looking for like a certain thing, you know, a certain one, they can go on there or if they want to know if there's water in the area, they can look for that as well. Then I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but Onyx just came out with what's called Onyx Off-Road and it looks pretty cool. There's 400,000 plus miles of trails and roads and in Nevada, there's tons of trails and roads. And so I'll be interested to kind of get in there and check that out because um, I'm hoping that they'll have some, some road information on there so I can tell if it's like a really gnarly road or exactly. To, to, Another question we get a lot right now is, can I get my camp trailer in there, um, like the reservoirs or certain places? And so sometimes it's like, I don't know. And then other times, you know, somebody has just been there. And so we can kind of ping friends or family or biologists and, and get some information on the road. But that's not always, that's not always the case. So I'm, I'm interested in looking up on that Onyx off-road. Very cool. Some very good suggestions. And on that note, there's also what Julie had mentioned during the break, all trails, which that's for people, they don't even have to hunt or be like wildlife, avid wildlife viewers. That's for people just wanting to get out and hike um, or I mean, whatever you want to do with it. But that's a great resource, Julie, right? Yes, yes. Good for hiking and biking, trail running. I know this time of year, especially where we are, you know, I've been looking up some big hikes that I want to do this year and um, people can comment on them and say what the trails look like. And, you know, I've been looking at some of our peaks here and I can tell that no one's been up to the top of them yet because there's too much snow because there's no comments. Like the comments are from before winter started. So um, it's a good, good resource to kind of scope out trails and it'll tell you like, hey, this said that it was going to be nine miles, but it was really 15. So some good information. <laughs> hey, Julie, do those also tell you if you can take your dog on the trail? or? Yeah, so it depends on the trail, but it'll it'll be like, it'll say like what times of year it's best for, and then whether dogs are allowed, whether they're not allowed, whether bikes are allowed, whether dirt bikes are allowed, those types of things. And it's then, really of course, you can... <clears throat> Ooh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley. No. And, okay. and then you combine all that with Google Earth, where you can visually go in and look too. Granted, it's dated. It's you know most of Google Earth is several years old, but at least, especially for hunting, fishing, or hiking, you can go in and look and actually visualize what the terrain is like in the area you want to go. That's a very good idea. So pair some of these apps together. Um, and both of those are easy to use. I use all trails all the time. I just wanted to, I feel like Julie's our outdoor nature girl. So I wanted to go to her for her opinion on that. But um, I want to come back to Joe on a very important website that we want to mention. But first, Abby, um, we, get, we keep getting questions about phishing. And we actually use a certain site to get phishing reports, which people could be looking at right now. Yeah, so especially like you were saying, it takes us a couple days to get back to some people. Um, Fishbrain is actually up and coming. It just gets better every single time I see it and use it because it's only been around a few years. 
So the data only goes back so far, but you can see over time, like when people are catching certain things. So you can go, like Julie was saying, go back to this time last year in some waters pretty easily because there's not a lot of data yet and find out like Kerch Wildlife Management Area, you can catch bass all the way through or crappie up there. You can catch crappie all the way through September. I was telling my dad that because that's his favorite place. And, um, and you can find out which waters. You literally zoom in on the map and pin which section. It shows like you have so many uh, different comments for that certain area. And then people can comment on the pictures. Um, you can help people ID their fish because sometimes rainbow trout come out as a sas, I can't say the word, um, Tasmanian trout or something like that, something like way off the wall. And we're like, no, that's not that strain, I promise. <laughs> so um, fish brain will help and it helps us for the fishing report. So when we don't hear from people because they're not getting out as much, people can't help but brag, which is amazing for us. And we can totally use that for the fishing report. Awesome. We are actually running out of time, but Joe, there is a very important website people need to know about, especially if they're going out fishing last minute. Yes, don't forget endowlicensing.com. You can buy your license, fishing or hunting license right there on your phone. And after you buy it, if it asks whether you want it to print it or to have it mailed to you, you hit print, you download a PDF, and you put your license right on your phone. It's got a QR code. If you are, have a meeting, you know, if you meet a game warden in the field, they scan the QR code and you're really good to go. So don't forget that, endowlicensing.com. And of course, endow.org has lots of great information on it as well. Exactly. And we do get the question of people saying, I haven't received my license yet in the mail because sometimes they don't realize they pick the print option, not the mail option, which the print option actually saves you money. And that's where you could just bring the license up on your phone. Like you could just yeah. access it from your profile. And everybody carries their phone with them nowadays. Exactly. If nothing else uses a camera. And so it's, it's all right there. Yeah, I love that we're uh, able to do that now. And then I love being able to tell people that they can buy, like if it's fishing is good, like for having a fishing clinic or something, being able to tell them just buy, you can buy your license right now and join us. It's so easy. Mm hmm Very easy. Well, thank you all. That went really fast per usual when it's you guys. <laughs> I'm like, where did that time go? But um, some great resources for people. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife. <laughs> <laughs>